Hello, friends. Welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair. If you wondered if you had missed last week, last week's episode, it was not you. It was me. Um, it's the only one I've missed all year, so I kind of don't feel that bad about it. Um, and it was unavoidable and, and that's what it was. So I appreciate several of you reached out with kind notes telling me you missed it. Um, that was, that was really, really sweet and touched me a lot. Thank you for that. Um, all is well here back on track. Um, today will be a little bit different. Um, normally we're taking the text that's in the upcoming week in Come Follow Me. And this week we're not doing that. I actually want to talk about what I was going to talk about last week. And I'm going to combine the next two weeks. Both of them are in Revelation and it just makes more sense to combine both of those. Um, if you are new, where, where have you been? I don't know. Um, we're going through the Come Follow Me readings and talking about how our evangelical friends or family members might hear the text differently, questions that they might have about our faith, um, trying to build some bridges of understanding between you and the people you care about who kind of have an evangelical way of thinking. So you might better understand them. They might better understand you. You can share some of the, the good things in our faith. Um, I also wanted to tell you. I got to run up to Salt Lake last week, um, got to participate in this really fun, like, preview of Come Follow Me for next year. The only reason I'm telling you that, there are some structural changes in the manual that will likely make it easier if you've got kids in the house. Um, you might have heard this, the children's material and the adult material and the youth material is all in one book now. If I could make any suggestion, it would be, if you've got kids in your house, get a physical copy of it. You can see the children's parts on online. You can see the like the activities that are meant for them. But it's kind of it's harder to get to. It's just organized in the physical book in a way that like might make it easier on families. Um that would be my suggestion. I got a physical copy of it, which is really fun. I haven't used the physical copy for a couple years. So I don't know. I like that a lot. Um okay. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost, and this comes back from the readings in 1 John. Um, he makes many references to the Spirit, right? That's a really important thing to him. Um, and one of the questions I've received, like, like personally, in the last few years, it goes something like this. Um, how can evangelicals claim to have the Holy Ghost? Or how can you, Jennifer, claim to have had access to the Holy Spirit before joining this church, before being baptized, before being confirmed. The, the, the question is something like, I thought the Holy Ghost was exclusive to our church and we're the only ones who have authority and ability to give that gift. And I would say, yes, of course, our church has the authority to do that. However, um, Holy Ghost does as he chooses, right? And if the Holy Ghost was actually only exclusively in our church, it, how how would anyone ever even join our church, right? If they're outside of the church, it's it is the Holy Ghost that brings them into the church. That's the witness to them, right? Um, so obviously there are scenarios where um other people outside of our church have access to the Holy Ghost despite either not being in a church or, or being in a church that doesn't have authority around that. The the wind blows where it pleases. I don't know what else to tell you on that, but that's what we're talking about today. Um 
It's a good question. You can see why it's confusing for evangelicals when they hear us say we claim to have some kind of authority in giving the gift of the Holy Ghost that other people don't have. Because they look at their own experience, the experience of their evangelical peers, and say, we have Holy Spirit aplenty. Um, it, evangelicals will tend to use the phrase Holy Spirit. We tend to use the phrase Holy Ghost. In the, the, There's an incredible amount of overlap there, probably not perfect overlap. That's a little too technical to get into what we're going to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about um, what do evangelicals mean? What is it like for them? Um, I'll probably use my own experience a little bit just because I, I've been in both camps. Um, in the past on this show, we have talked about the part of the evangelical world that they would call charismatic or Pentecostal. Um, and that side is very, very, very interested in the spirit. That's They're interested in that more than anything else. Um, they have lots of demonstrable signs that the spirit is present with someone We've sort of touched on that group. I really want to talk about the other group that would not define themselves as charismatic or Pentecostal. They believe in the spirit, but they're also sort of apprehensive and afraid in part because they have a distaste for what they see in the in the charismatic or Pentecostal side. Um, for the evangelical world, here's kind of their dilemma. Um, there is no possibility for new authoritative revelation. There, there just isn't. They have everything that they are going to have. They are not expecting anymore. They're not looking for anymore. They, they, it's not even a possibility in their way of thinking. In our church, it's totally different. We, we think of revelation as ongoing. We frequently kind of talk about there are things yet to be revealed. Um, we absolutely have the possibility for further revelation, and that happens on a lot of levels, right? It can happen on a scriptural level. It can happen the the prophet leading the church. It can happen us in our individual um, callings. It can happen in families. It can happen in an individual for themselves. Evangelicals, when they make a claim to hearing the Spirit, what they're really saying is that the the feeling or prompting that they had they can match it up well with scripture. And for them, the non-charismatics and, and non-Pentecostals, that's about as good as it gets. Feeling like something is coming from the spirit, seeing it um, represented and kind of underpinned in scripture, like that's really, really the sweet spot for them. Um, it, the reality is that they're actually warned against listening to the spirit in such a way that might give them an idea that's not found in scripture. It's, it's very, um, check, check that against the Bible kind, kind of talk. And if you don't find it in the Bible, it can't be true. Um, if it isn't echoed in the scripture, it's treated with a lot of suspicion, even when that means a person's own revelation about something extremely personal to them that would never be in the scriptures, right? Like, should I take this job or that job? Should I date this boy or that boy? You're not going to find a Bible verse to tell you what to do. So they end up in a, in a dilemma there. They, they're really, really used to the spirit speaks, the scripture backs it up it, almost, almost immediately. Those two things have to go hand in hand. So when they, feel the spirit telling them something of personal revelation, it's treated with more suspicion. 
They're more likely to ask for kind of additional um, signs from God that what they're, what they're hearing is true. They're, this is my opinion. I don't have data to back this up, but in my experience, they're less likely to act on it. If it's something that's scary, if they can't find something exactly in scripture that, that backs it up. Um, I mean, the problem of course, is there are millions of things that a a modern person would have to make a decision about that are, are never going to be addressed in the scriptures because they simply can't be. Um, In situations like that, evangelicals do try to take some, some broad perspectives, some broad like principles from scripture, apply them to the scenario that they're in, see if what they think they're hearing from the spirit can match up with like a broad principle. Um, And that works with varying degrees of success, to be honest. That's, that's a a lot for people to manage, especially if they don't know their scriptures well they have this pressure of you should know what the scriptures say so that if you get a prompting, you know what that's about. Um, and, and when they don't know the scripture side, it can lead to this real insecurity of kind of not knowing what it is that they're supposed to do. Um, if you boil kind of their whole endeavor down to its most ba- basic parts, the idea you're left with is something like, the spirit can remind them of things that they have already learned in the Bible. Um, the spirit can contextualize things in the Bible from a, a, a very old culture into a modern culture, but not tons more. Um, as far as I have seen, like nobody's really complaining about that. That doesn't seem to be a, a sore spot for them. It doesn't seem to be a, a place of bitterness for them. That's the scenario that they feel like they're in and they accept it and work with it as best as they can. When I was an evangelical, I certainly had many, many, many times where I believed the spirit was with me, um, feelings of, of like comfort, knowing God cared for me. And then in my evangelical mind, being able to say, yes, and I could back this up in such and such a scripture. They, they want, they want both sides of it basically, which, which is fine. Um, in our church, we enjoy a little bit more freedom to listen to the spirit in ways where there isn't quite this same anxiety of if you can't point to the exact verse that you're backing this up with, then it can't be true. Um, so in some ways we do have it a little bit easier, but in some ways, to be honest, they have it easier. Um, they view the scripture spirit um, situation as kind of a check and balance. Um, they're afraid of having a subjective experience that is just their voice in their own head. Um, and so they have this, this habit, this process, this pattern of scripture and spirit being check and balance to each other in ways, frankly, that Latter-day Saints don't really cultivate it quite in the same way. It's a cleaner process for them. It's a less messy process for them. It's a, it's a more conservative process. It's a, it's a more anxiety filled process, um, but if they decide to act on something they think the spirit has told them, they're usually they're pretty sure because they have to take the time to be really, really sure. So in that sense, they sort of do have it a, a little bit easier than we do. Just, and that's my, that's my opinion. Um, the vast majority of evangelicals are going to make an honest attempt to listen to both scripture and spirit in an open way that allows God to guide them. 
we little humans, Latter-day Saints or evangelicals, are very good at self-deception. We are very good at hearing what we want to hear, um, even when it comes to spiritual things. And it is very easy to mistake our own desires for the voice of the spirit. We have this problem. Evangelicals have this problem. Every human who is religious or faith oriented at all has this problem. Our risk, Latter-day Saints risk, it's mitigated a tiny bit because we have a prophet who can give a final word on things. Now, if you have a prompting that you're supposed to apply to such and such a job, you probably have very little access to call the prophet and be like, can you, can you ring up God and, and, and make sure this is right? Like, it's not how it works. Um, but on the really, really big pieces of faith, the, the important things that you absolutely don't want to get wrong. Um, we do have a prophet who can give a final word on some things. Um, and in some ways that is easier. And in some ways that is, is a little bit cleaner. You have to trust it. And that can be a process for people and that can be hard for people. Um, but to have a prophet giving us, um, some guidance like that is something that they don't have. They don't miss it because they don't know what it would provide for them. They're kind of suspicious of it. Is this just his subjective thoughts? Um, but there is some, some kind of rest available in the fact of knowing that we are not here left alone to figure this all out entirely by ourselves. The difference here for evangelicals, they they have leaders. They certainly do. They have pastors and teachers and authors and speakers and all kinds of people who want to teach them. Um, but those teachers are employed at the will of the listener. If an evangelical person does not want to listen to a particular teaching or a pastor, they don't. It, if it's bad enough, they just move to another church. There's no repercussions for that in them for them whatsoever. They feel no compulsion to see that person in an authority that is that has the that has the availability to actually say something about their lives. Right? If you join our church, um one of the first things that you are gonna have to probably make some changes in your life just has to do with like word of wisdom stuff, right? Like I drank coffee before I joined the church. I needed to go through a process where I stopped doing that. Um in one sense, that's a that's a very personal thing, right? I wake up in the morning, I wanted to drink coffee. Sometimes I still do. I, I, I don't, right? Because I have let the leaders of our church say this isn't this isn't this isn't good for you. I don't even understand all the ways in which that is true, right? And I'm willing to say, like, okay, I trust your leadership on this. I don't have to understand every every little bit of that, and I'm going to follow this. Um Latter-day Saints are used to seeing the goodness in that kind of trust where evangelicals are just, are just not. They turn their trust to what's written in the scriptures. Whereas if I got a prompting from the spirit that said, um, you should wake up and have a cup of coffee tomorrow. I have some really clear direction on, nope, I should not do this. Right? evangelicals don't don't have that bit i think that's the part that's a little bit harder on them even though they wouldn't say it that way and and they wouldn't even recognize it probably even if you pointed it out to them so the question the only question left in this is do evangelicals actually have the holy spirit 
Um, I speak for me. I don't speak for fair right now. I don't speak for the church. I'm speaking for me. Long before I knew anything about our church, I know that I had the influence of the Holy Ghost in my life, guiding me, teaching me, helping me, comforting me, leading me. It was more limited in scope because it had to be because it's more directly tied to scripture. So, yes, there is influence. It's not quite the same thing, or at least it can't be talked about or thought about in quite the same way. Um, But being able to feel the presence of the Holy Ghost with you, guiding and teaching you at its most basic definition, that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's different now that I have joined this church, been baptized and confirmed? Well, I mean, honestly, there are some things about feeling the Holy Ghost that aren't different at all. It feels exactly the same. I know what it feels like to listen to the Spirit. Um, If you've listened to my conversion story, that's one of the things I talk about, is I knew what it felt like to listen to the Spirit as I was reading Scripture, as I was reading the Bible. So when I read the Book of Mormon, Honestly, not at first asking the spirit to speak to me in any way, just kind of reading because I was spiritually curious about it. In the reading, I still found the spirit there. And it felt the same as it felt when I when I was reading the Bible. It was really, really good for me to be able to recognize that those feelings were the same. It grew trust in me. It, it helped me accept more of what I was reading. It became a real bridge for me. And I think... Most converts who join the church, even though their experience might not have been like mine, they need some kind of bridge, which is the spirit. And that has to be given to them long before they're dunked in the water in baptism, right? That's the process. The spirit is the process through which conversion happens. The other difference for me, and I don't know that other converts would say it this way, but this is how I would say it. And it has to do with the existence of covenants, um, in the evangelical church, someone can hear the spirit, and as long as it confirms what scripture is considered, then that's a good thing. For me now, as a Latter-day Saint, the spirit's role is to provide a broader kind of guidance that allows me to do things I've already been asked to do or already promised to do, but the spirit gives specifics on how to do that in a different way. It's not about confirming the scriptures. It's not even about confirming were these covenants good to make. It's about how do I live out these covenants? Because that gets hard, right? And so for me, if you were asking me, like, what's the biggest difference? It's that. Now, there are evangelicals who believe in covenant theology. That's a thing. Um, there are evangelicals who, who make all kinds of covenants with God. What their experience is like of the spirit, I don't know. That wasn't my evangelical experience. Um, the role of the spirit, even there though, even in evangelicals who recognize that they, they, they believe in a, a version of covenants, um, the spirit is still sort of there just to confirm what the scriptures have already said to them about those covenants. It, saying anything else gets real tricky, really, really dangerous. A person might think it, might feel it for themselves, but talking about it becomes problematic because now you're talking for God, saying that God told you something that isn't written anywhere, and that's a problem for them. Um, I'm sure other people's experience, and that has been different than mine. I can only tell you my experience. 
Um, all of this to say, sort of the summary here is, um, yeah, I think your evangelical friends probably do have an experience of the Holy Ghost. Is it the same as yours? I don't think so. It, it It's different. However, if you wanted to have a really interesting conversation with an evangelical and your mind was open enough to the idea that they can sense and follow the spirit, talking about the different ways that each of you feel the each of you feel the spirit or each of you confirm things you think the spirit has told you that's an interesting conversation um i have had a number of people ask me like what not only our church had the spirit if you can if you can almost sort of bracket that thought off for a second and just give this person this evangelical person the benefit of the doubt that they're listening to the spirit as best as they can, you, you, you might have some real nice connections there. Okay. That's all I got to say to you on this topic. Next week, we're going to do Revelation. We're going to do both halves of Revelation in one week. So that'll be either really weird or really fun. We'll see how it goes. Revelation is just weird. Um, anyway, good to see you this week. I will see you next week. Bye.